Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Arctic Dialogue 2014, a collaboration of the University of Nordland, the High North Centre and the Arctic Institute. We are speaking with attendees and speakers about the work, the Arctic Dialogue Conference and the conference's theme of Arctic resources. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark Jacobson. During the Arctic Dialogue Conference, we talk with Mariah Gill from Yale University about the conference, its theme of Arctic resources, and her specific interest in water resource management. Mariah, could you please tell us a bit about yourself and your interest in the Arctic? Yes, of course. Um, I'm Mariah Gill. I'm working on my Master's of Environmental Management at Yale University, um, the School for Forestry and Environmental Studies. Um, I focus on water resource management, um, and my interest in the Arctic uh, actually has just developed recently. Um, I'm working on a research project um, with the Arctic Research Commission in the U.S. on a scoping project looking at water resources in Alaska. What brings you to Boru and the Arctic Dialogue Conference? Um, my colleague and I, Werner Wilson, um, also from Yale, uh, we were working on our scoping project and decided that it'd be interesting to look further into sort of development in the Arctic. And um, he actually came across the conference online while just searching. And um, he has connections to other Arctic um, organizations. He worked for WWF and the Arctic. And so, um, yeah, that's why we're here. How does your participation at the conference support your educational goals and the research project you're working on? And what have you learned from the conference so far? Oh, I've learned a lot, um, seeing as my Arctic background is uh, pretty slim. Um, I think that overall it gives us a better idea of the context. And so, um, yes, we're looking at water resources, but it's all tied into um, industry development and uh, especially in Alaska, you know, there hasn't been any offshore drilling yet, but um, there's, you know, room for exploratory drilling and, and uh, there is an increase in, in development in the Arctic North Slope. And so um, sort of better understanding that this conference, there's been a lot about oil and gas um, development in the Arctic. And I think getting the context from a global perspective is really useful for looking at our domestic issues, if you will. The theme of this year's Arctic Dialogue is resources. What comes to mind when you think of resources in the Arctic and the development of these resources? Um, for me, I mean, oil and gas is an obvious one, but I think fisheries resources are is going to be a huge topic um, within, if not, it, it is now, but even more so in the next five, ten years. Um, and then water resources, uh, obviously my area of study. Um, water is more valuable, in my opinion, than even oil and gas. Without water, you can't do any sort of other development. Um, and so uh, as area, other areas in the world outside the Arctic, you know, California, the Middle East, and Africa, um, water will become more and more valuable. And, you know, there's the potential for conflict around that resource, I think that um, the water that's stored in the Arctic will become of more interest um, as a resource. Also to outcomers? To out, yeah, to non-Arctic nations. Please elaborate more on this thought. 
Would it be water for drinking or for industry? Um, both. It's fresh water, and I think that um, there's a significant energy and sort of uh, economic nexus between, um, well, is fresh water being shipped from the Arctic going to be ever cheaper than uh, desalinization? I mean, those are your two like extreme sources of fresh water. Um, they both are very expensive and energy intensive. Um, and so will there be a time when it's just makes more sense to ship Arctic water to the rest of the world? Or will we develop desalinization like they have in the Middle East that's, you know, economically feasible? So I, I think that's an interesting um, thing. But also in the industry, as industry increases in the Arctic, you know, not domestically, but in the Arctic zone, uh, water will become more and more valuable because there will be um, need to look at, you know, water going towards industry and what happens to that water. Does does it get contaminated when it when it's used? Um, what's the downstream effects? And also, is there going to be conflict between um, domestic and, and, and residential use and versus industrial use? What do you think would be an ideal future for the Arctic? What does it look like and what should happen in order to achieve this ideal? The ideal situation would be continued peace in the Arctic. <laughs> um, I sound like Miss America. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that the best, um, as far as resource development goes, I think there will be oil and gas um, development that continued and, and who knows for how long. Um, ideally, we would lessen our dependence on fossil fuels, and there wouldn't need to have, you know, to actually further development in the Arctic. I think that ideally, we would just continue with shipping and, and, and increasing fishing and focus on those types of resources um, in the Arctic rather than oil and gas. But I don't think that's, you know, I think that we will have to continue development of oil and gas um, in the Arctic. And so... Ideally, they, it would be done in a way that protects, most importantly, the people that live there. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk at this conference about who's, who, who actually is the Arctic, you know, who is, who is that Arctic person. And there are the native peoples, the indigenous populations, but there's also the local people. And, and really, there, there shouldn't be a huge distinction. I mean, the people living there should come first, no matter who they are. And... There are many people that support oil and gas development, which is great, um, and they should benefit from whatever development happens. But I think they should decide how they're benefiting. And I think there's people that you know want don't mind it happening as long as it doesn't affect their traditional um, resource use, like hunting and gathering and whatnot. And then there's people who want to benefit um, directly. They want jobs. They want you know an economic revitalization of their civil of their communities um so i think that a lot more cooperation between whoever those people are in the arctic and industry and government needs to continue and i think the arctic council is the right forum for that and what do you think the ideal future regarding the development of water resources in the arctic is water resources um well you know it, it it's a little scary i mean we need to look at how climate change is going to affect those those resources. Um, changing precipitation patterns is going to be huge. 
um, where there used to be uh, no flowing water in the fall, there may be flowing water um, in the future. Um, and I think that no matter what we need to look at, because uh, industry, industry in the Arctic will use a ton of that fresh water. Um, and a lot of it means that that water after it's used is put somewhere else. And we just need to look at those downstream effects. Um, so ideally, the again, industry would work with the surrounding communities um, or downstream communities to uh, ensure that they're not negative negatively affected by that water use. How do you like the conference so far? Are there any specific presentations that you would like to highlight? And why did this specific presentation catch your attention? Um, I'm loving the conference, the conference so far. Uh, and um, as far as specific presentations, this morning um, there was a panel on managing risks in the Arctic. And a lot of it focused around oil and gas um, development. Uh, in particular, well, Michael Byers was brilliant. Um, he's such a fiery speaker. It was really entertaining. Um, and he made some really good points. And then Eric uh, Sievertson, uh, he had some very interesting thoughts and actually recommendations um, for how to continue on in the future about around um, sort of resource management in the Arctic. And one of his comments was uh, sort of moving the Arctic Council towards being a treaty-based um, organization. And I found this very interesting. Um, I don't completely agree. Uh, I thought it was interesting because the Arctic Council, as it is now, um, is a forum for international cooperation, and every Arctic nation is a member, including um, most of the indigenous groups as um, permanent participants. Um, so, you know, it was described yesterday by the president of Iceland as, you know, the, the mutual respect and the, the level of personal friendship is really what makes it work. Um, and I think that coming from a U.S. perspective, um, the U.S. Uh, isn't keen on <laughs> signing legally binding international agreements um, that are broad and, and sort of, uh, you know, we're the only uh, Arctic nation that hasn't signed UNCLOSE, the, the Convention on the Law of the Sea. And I think that if you were to move the Arctic Council towards being a, a treaty-based organization that creates legally binding documents and agreements, um, on Arctic resource management, you would actually threaten that cooperation that you see now and what has made Arctic Council successful um, to date. And so I found that really interesting and I actually had a Twitter conversation with um, Eric and uh, he, I, I agree with him to the point that, you know, the Arctic Council doesn't really have any teeth and in order to um, act and react to um, the increasing challenges, especially with climate change. Uh, legally binding agreements are needed, but I don't know if making that the center of the Arctic Council is the best. What should the Arctic Council do in order to grow some teeth? Um, I think continue, well, I think the Arctic Council as a forum is, is brilliant. And I think that it, as long as it continues to foster uh, bilateral agreements, um, then 
it's doing its job. And I think the increased sort of bilateral multi-party agreements is, is what needs to happen. Um, and those can happen not necessarily at the Arctic Council. I mean, it should be happen as a result of the personal relationships and the, and the open sort of space that the Arctic Council provides. Well, Mariah, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Follow along with the series on iTunes or via our websites, arcticdialogue.com and thearcticinstitute.org. The music you heard at the beginning and at the end comes from Herbert Seferin and can be found at ccmixture.org.